This is Tush. And I welcome you to Tushalicious Talk, an Oklahoma City podcast for titillating women, tantalizing conversation. And I thank you in advance for allowing me to be your one-stop shop advocacy connection. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you again for listening to Tushalicious Talk. We have our only December episode because I've been extra super busy. And uh, we have Stephanie Henson again, who has been a reoccurring guest all year. Thank you so much. And we also have Dr. Damon William. And today we are talking about the pros and cons of believing in Santa Claus. And before we start, I want to ask you, Mr. Damon, I'm sorry, Dr. Damon Williams. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. What are you a doctor of? What do you do? All right. So the quick rundown. My name is Dr. Damon Anthony William, and um, Oklahoma is home for me. I've been a practicing physical therapy doctor for 14 years. I'm a health and wellness coach. I'm a consultant, a creator, um, a dreamer, a father, a friend, a brother, and it has been um, just an amazing time of exploring all the things that really speak to passion and life and health and and what that looks like for me and for those around me. So um, if we're talking about some fun stuff and some uh, some exciting things like, I mean, the guy in the red suit, I'm down for a conversation. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so where I want to start at is we're going to start on a con because this is the main one that I've been seeing all over Facebook and even some of the YouTube videos. Um lying to your kids and then I even think the video that you sent me Stephanie it said somebody was like arrested which they were being malicious but they were like outside of a church or something and with a megaphone being, I guess they were actually telling that what they would have deemed as telling the truth but yeah but they were weren't they there where the Santa Claus was in the mall, like the mall Santa was there and they were, yeah. the kids were getting on the lap. And, yes. And they're screaming to the kids on the, the megaphone. <laughs> Santa Claus is not real. To you, but. <laughs> <laughs> and they got arrested for it. <laughs> so he basically got arrested for telling truth. But uh, yeah. Trauma that, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> what do we, public nuisance or something. Is it like public? I think yeah. so. Yeah, it was like public yeah, nuisance. Which that he was being a nuisance yeah. because if you do or you don't believe in whatever you tell your kids if you believe it's a lie if you don't believe it's a lie still if people want to believe in it let them believe in it you definitely don't go out in public with a megaphone to little kids it's not real he's not real so um but as far as the psychological effects what do you think um is it lying to your kids Okay, so 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 I do um, trauma informed care, mm -hmm. um, particularly looking at um, you know ACEs and the adverse childhood experiences and how that affects how we show up. And I guess from that aspect, we we always want to consider how our kids really respond to things that change their beliefs, especially when they are usually uh, moments like learning about Santa, you know that can be something that takes away from them and, and it takes away from their innocence. It can take away from their experiences. But as, as an adult, you know, to be accountable for that, I think a lot of parents, they don't see it as lying to their kids. They're, they're, they're lying for their kids, right. To, to protect the time that they have to enjoy the magic of the season of the spirit. And like how, how, how much are we going to really, convict someone for that. 
I'm not going to convict him at all. But, you know, I just see other people. um, Well, I'll say for me personally, I've never told my kids that Santa Claus is real. Mm -hmm. So they don't believe in Santa Claus at all. But I am a Christmassy person. Y'all see, I got my Merry Christmas beanie on. I start playing Christmas music on November the 1st. You know, I, I have several... Christmas sweaters, like I, I, I love the season of Christmas. I love Halloween. You know, you can be anything that you want to be. So, um, just the whole season, tis the season, and people can pick what they want the season to be for. And I just choose it's life. Like it's a celebration of life for me, you know, and happiness because you, the rest of the year is. <laughs> Not, I'm gonna say not the rest of the year, but in general, life is kind of miserable, you know. Like I said, life be life, and so I'm I'm not gonna knock anybody for telling their kids that Santa Claus is real, but don't come to my house and expect for me to tell your kids that Santa. Don't don't expect for me to uphold the lie that Santa Claus is real because my kids are not going to do it either. You know, if you, if you, I, I always tell people, if you don't want your kids to know, don't have them around my, especially not Tavia, my granddaughter. Cause she's definitely, she's gonna be, <laughs> Santa Claus is not real. Your mama bought that stuff, you know, or your daddy bought that stuff. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, I think more um, on the adult perspective, after you grow up, And if you've been believing in Santa Claus, because I have known a couple of people who have went through their childhood and then become an adult and they still believe that Santa Claus actually comes down your chimney and there's this magic of how he goes to every single house around the world. And even if you don't have a chimney, somehow he still gets in your house and you're supposed to get a gift. You know, (laughs) that's where it's kind of like, yeah, for me. And I feel like is and if there is an adult that believes like that, you know, there's a naivety that comes with it. And where do you not step on people's toes <laughs> at that part? But and not even just with Santa Claus, but if you have made it to your adulthood and believing that there really is a man that comes down to people's uh, chimneys, then are we getting into a mental aspect of it, a mental health that, aspect? I mean, that clearly, I would say yes. But, and I, I did not send you this, but you know how I was sending you all that snuffleupagus stuff this morning? <laughs> I, t- I was telling Dr. William and, and Santiago, uh, I went back and, and it was unrelated, but I was thinking about snuffleupagus. And in the ni- early 1970s with child development, they recognize, I mean, you really look at children have make-believe friends. Mm-hmm. P- children are very much, and they use, it's developmentally appropriate to make believe. And I mean, that's a huge part of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And it was a huge part of Sesame Street. And as a matter of fact, and you know how I'd mentioned to you as we were texting about it this morning, I because I was curious about the academic research then on this developmental phase. I, I didn't remember ever having an imaginary friend myself, but my son had Peachy and Ronnie. And I'd ask Grandmommy, because when Brayden had his imaginary friend, I'd ask my grandmother, you know, did did uh, any of your kids ever have an imaginary friend? She goes, well, Uncle Tommy had Dishadora Duncan. <laughs> you know, so I mean, this whole idea of imaginary playmates is a very developmentally healthy thing. You know, this idea of make-believe. And anyway, as I was looking at some of the research, it, uh, there's actually something called the Snuffleupagus 
paradox. Mm -hmm. And it is the idea. And once we become adults and we understand paradox and we understand that two contradictory things can be true at the same time, then we know that there are things that can be both real and imagined. And it's what we were talking about as we were all kind of zooming and talking about this the other day, this idea of a figurative, a figurative idea of Santa Claus versus a literal concept of of a man, you know, is is very different. And so the idea that you can, the, an imaginary friend might be comforting for a child to have a comforting playmate, especially if you're maybe an only child or you're not. And so you, the idea of making believe is real for them too, and it provides comfort and they can take that comfort with them even after they know, and, you know, perhaps they're always kind of knowing that, the, you know, but, and so anyway, you can actually, I think it's beautiful that there's children's developmentally appropriate programming that helps us understand this. So you can go back and you can watch these episodes. And it's interesting because it's the older episodes that do that. Like 15 years later, they changed it because they started asking the question, are we harming our children by having this imaginary character Snuffleupagus on Sesame Street? And they actually came out and made him real. They changed the narrative. They changed the story to make this real mammoth looking, you know, and I thought to me that takes something away because the the very idea that there's paradox and teaching our children to understand paradox and complexity and nuance and those critical thinking skills that we'll all gain as we developmentally grow from Mm -hmm. concrete thinking to more formal operational thinking as adults. That's developmentally appropriate. So my argument for Santa Claus (laughs) is how important this is. I mean, that this is very much the world of make-believe and magic and joy and being a child first is very developmentally appropriate. And what I'm going to say is, and I want to then turn to you up and ask you about the trauma-informed care. I think that when you, you perhaps have not had that safe place to be a child first. If you have grown up in a trauma household, a household where there is a lot of trauma or dysfunction and things are not developmentally appropriate, you've not been allowed to to go through those healthy phases of childhood. Mm -hmm. That's a different conversation, you know. So I'm curious about that. I think that that's, I'm curious about that. One of the, now, so I, I wouldn't dare claim to be any type of expert on on children or, or even in the psychology space, but I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of educating. And when it comes to how we um, associate and how we communicate with each other. And so in that space, really um, leaning into that, w- what we see and what we do know is that giving our children the space to feel safety right, and, and having a sense of awareness with internally and externally, how they see the world is so important. And when we, when our children and ourselves, when we're going through these stressful situations, we're going through these moments where, um, you know, our, our life leaves us with lasting scars and lasting trauma, where do we find safety? And in giving our kids moments to believe in things that, that, seems so fanatical, but that seems so fun and light and magical mm-hmm. allows them to explore that safety. And that's for me, one, one of the reasons I, I, I would never kind of stop anyone from believing in, in, you know, those types of ideas and things. And ironically, my, my daughter, she'll be eight in just a few weeks. And she has been a skeptic since day one. 
And, you know, we, we, we would laugh about it because we put tree, you know, gifts under the tree and we would share um, these magical moments of things magically showing up. And she would look at us and, okay, sure, we'll go with it. And that's always been her attitude. And it's just been, you know, we've enjoyed the fun for what it is. Um, but we're never short of any onesies or Christmas cookies or um, garland or trees and the carols. They don't stop. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's really um, that space of creating a place where we can create as many great moments, fun moments and um, enjoyable moments to experience, mm-hmm. to kind of counter the traumatic moments that we all have, you know, yeah. and and. Trauma isn't always, you know, as as visible as physical abuse or or as deep as sexual abuse. It can often be having a parent or having a person in your close family who's been arrested or who's been incarcerated or having another family member who's experienced some of those more traumatic things that affects you as well Mm -hmm. growing up and even as an adult. And Mm -hmm. so the more time we can give our kids and ourselves, you know, opportunities to just explore joy and peace in the spirit of giving, take advantage of it and enjoy it. Yeah. I would say even throughout the whole year, and I know for that you definitely have taken teaching classes, but I think one of my favorite um, things that I learned when teaching uh, uh, taking teaching classes is about play, how play is so important. And when you're saying that kids need that, ask that ratio of time in their childhood to just be kids and to just play, even if it's Santa Claus related or not, if it's a fake oven, fake fire station, you know, whatever, those toys that are so popular that they can just play with, you know, and for me, I think the most important aspect of play is creation. There's something in our heads that gives off creative ideas, you know, where they come from, you know, that's probably a brain surgeon type philosophy (laughs) argument. But, you know, when, and even as adults, when we're doing some type of task and you can't figure it out, you're like, okay, well, let me play with it for a second. And then you figure it out. Uh, that's kids have to do that as well. So I think that comes into the feeling of safety, being able to figure something out. And I think that kids will be able to fit. I'm not going to say kids, but and I don't even want to say normal people. I'm going to say and most people will play. figure out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's real and what's not real. Yeah as they grow or as they keep playing and their creative juices in their head keep flowing and they figure out, oh, this is how this works and this is how this works. And that's how you figure out, oh, it's not possible for someone to get in a sled and fly around the world in one night. You don't even have 24 hours. Um, But even that, I think, speaks for the figurative aspect of Santa Claus and believing in the whole spirit of Christmas. And I think that's what is most important for me is that spirit. But like I said, for me, it's not just Christmas time. It's the whole year because I've been through things. I know so many other people have been through things. Why not try to contribute to happiness, to joy? You know, Um, as far as like religion goes, I promise I am so hedonistic. But when people think well, when they see the word hedonistic, all they think is like about sexual pleasure. Like, no, I everything I do 
so it has to bring me some type of happiness. Like this pot, why are you doing this podcast? Because it brings me happiness. You know what I'm saying? Why did you buy this for your kid? Because it brought me happiness. Why are you allowing your daughter to wrestle? Because it brings me happiness. You know, that's one of my founding things is I'm going to do anything that brings me happiness and things that don't bring me happiness. I don't do That's That's where I draw the line at. So I think with that, it, 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 we have to give ourselves, um, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit with how powerful we are in creating happiness, like on the biological and the psychological level. And that's one of the spaces that I talk a lot about is that we, our experiences, our emotions, our thoughts, they're, they're literally conjured and created in our minds. We create hormones Mm -hmm. from scratch based on a mere thought. And so when we look at the power that we have to influence one another in a positive or negative way is what we're talking about this person, this figure, this concept really as important, right? Yeah. As, as what we're leaving with those we get to explore and enjoy with. And so that, the, that's, that's the root of it for me. It's mm-hmm. like we look at how every part of our chemical makeup is affected by the thoughts that we have. And so how important is it that we have to lean on the, the literal mm-hmm. existence of this person when it is creating the neural pathways, it is creating the mood that lasts through this person's entire life. Entire. That's actually, you know, what I often, when, to me, like in the Bible, when it talks about turning the other cheek or in scientific research, when it talks about the null hypothesis mm-hmm. and how we're so often wrong, to me, it's just taking on a different perspective and whether we're right or wrong and whether it's a, it's a story that we tell in our, this is, to me, it reminds me of the story I've told you before. I always call it my uh, Starbucks is in short story. Cause remember it's the one where I was going through the Starbucks uh, that morning and I hadn't had my coffee yet. So I was in a really bad mood. So all of the things, the stories I were telling myself were all kind of negative stories. And we were, it was a drive through line and it was a long line as Starbucks often is. And this car full of people like cuts in front of me. And you guys, my mind was just racing with these thoughts about how inconsiderate they were and blah, 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 blah. And I have, I was angry and for whatever reason. So I, so I'm telling myself a story and it's all a story. I'm telling myself again, what the reality or the truth of the story is, who knows? Because what happened was when the, there was a woman that turns and she kind of points at me there. Now they're ordering their coffees at this time. And I'm thinking, Oh my word, it's going to be another five. And I'm already late for my next appointment. But when she turned and pointed at me, I thought, wait a minute, maybe that they accidentally cut in front of me. I bet they didn't see me. And then, weirdly, I started telling a different story. And when you're talking about the neural pathways and your hormones and how it's telling this different story all of a sudden changed, I all of a sudden went from being in a bad mood to thinking, I bet they did just didn't see me. And I bet they're, and for whatever reason, I told myself, again, I don't know if this is lie or truth, but I was like, I think they're going to buy my coffee because they didn't mean to do that. And they're going to make it up to me and they're going to buy my coffee. And uh, of course, Jackie knows the end of the story because they drove off. And when I got up to the fully expecting, because I told myself this different story and I was thinking they're going to have paid for my coffee. And of course they hadn't. And she said, oh, that'll be two ninety nine or whatever my coffee was. And but and guess what? It didn't matter what the truth was. They still may not have noticed me because I was in such a good mood that I bought the coffee for the people behind me. I was the giver. I got to be Santa Claus. You know what I mean? It changed me. There was something in that moment that was beautiful because I realized that regardless of the reality of the situation, I can be, can think differently here. I can turn the other cheek there. I was 
wrong about, you know, you were always wrong about something. So it's the idea that we sometimes it's just doing the best we can. And changing the to, energy. Yeah. It reminds me of, I remember one time, um, as Ryan Jael had gotten to it, this was years ago. I think they might've been like fourth, fifth grade or something like that. And they were really going at each other's throats and I, and they're both trying to, t t you know, snitch on each other to me. And I'm like, stop. And I said, start laughing right now. <laughs> and they both looked at me like, and I said, I mean it. You can either start laughing right now or you can put your head on the wall. And then Jael goes and puts her head on the wall for like two minutes. And I said, you're really going to put your head on the wall? And then I start cracking up. <laughs> and then Azariah starts laughing. And then Celicia comes in there and then she starts laughing. And then the laughter is contagious at that point. So, of course, then she comes off the wall and everybody just starts cracking up. And we really don't even know exactly what we're cracking up at. But it and it just totally changed the whole atmosphere. So I'm 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 with you like it's. Uh, sometimes I used to say um, there's no such thing as positive energy or negative energy. It's just energy and it is whatever you make it. So, yes. And, and you and both of those points speak to like what my what for me has been the biggest pro. Right. For people believing in Santa. And, and and one is that you get to build the expectation of being treated well. Like when kids know that there's a Santa. Kids understand that that Santa's going to be nice to me. He's going to do well by me. He's going to do right by me. And that's a, that's a feeling that we all really need to move into, into life with, right? We know adults who didn't have that experience growing up. Mm -hmm. They didn't have that expectation of being treated well, being treated nicely. And then at the same time, building that culture uh, of being able to understand, like culture is just a group of people, no matter where they're from, sharing in similar values. And if those values are things that, that give us hope, those values are things that give us um, give us that safety and that can give us the idea that things can and will get better. It's worth it. It's definitely Let's worth it. Let's jingle some bells. Tranquility right? is the word that came to my head. Yes. yes. Um, I think um, I want to just tip back on the con part of that uh, is the finances, because I also know some kids that they really tried to be their best and it almost breaks my heart because I know that y'all probably know some too. They really wanted something for Christmas and they were really, really, really good and they made the good grades and they made good decisions and they never cut up in school and then they wake up on Christmas Day and they don't get what they wanted and sometimes they don't even get anything at all, you know. Um, that is where I feel like is the the traumatic part of believing in Santa Claus um, because even if your parents aren't telling you that Santa is real, but you're going to school and people there are telling you that Santa is real, then as a child, you still have that hope that, okay, I'm, I'm going to get something on Christmas. I'm going to get something on Christmas and then you don't get it. You know, how do you think that affects us as adults? Yeah. You know, expectation, um, is something I talk a lot about because when we're in relationships, when we're, when we're moving through life, how we understand our expectations dictates how we experience life and how we respond to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a double-sided coin though, right? The expectation of being treated well because you've had these wonderful experiences related to the Christmas season and Santa can also be on the other side of that. I, I grew up the oldest of four boys to a single mother. Sometimes she didn't have it, right? And so, you know, some of my favorite Christmas gifts growing up were the ones that I got because we went to the church or we went to the Toys for Tots drive and they gave it to me and it was clearly not Santa. But 
for some kids who that ex- that same experience can really be traumatic in a way that, well, why did Santa give Crystal something? And I had to go get it from the pastor or from these random strangers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it can be, it can be a tough experience to, to kind of, um, to have and to try to reconcile what the spirit of Christmas or, or well, not the spirit of Christmas, but, but the reality of Santa is. Did you yeah. feel the kindness of community that for that, for, for you, did it, did you conceptualize that loving, giving community when you went to the church as being the Santa because, you know, like I was t- saying to you guys, that for me, it's figurative, that feeling of a loving community that has your back and is supporting you and is giving to, you know, is, is, did, did you conceptualize that as Santa? Yes. I mean, the spirit. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know that I ever had those moments of really believing literally in Santa. Right. right. I don't either. And see, I don't either. Think yeah, I, I don't remember. I may have. Right. And that same, like I may have. And I think yeah. that would perhaps if you don't have that sort of, I, I don't ever remember. I also don't remember dollar amounts on pack gifts or it wasn't to me. It was almost not even about the gifts. It was more about the magic in a way We're like almost like at the end of the Grinch, you know, when they all, they don't have the presence, but they still have the joy. There's no presence there and they still have the joy. But I, but I also don't think it's what you're saying about expectations. I never expected, we didn't have a lot of money either. We didn't have, so it was never an expectation of um, a dollar amount gift or a, you know, it was not very commercial. I don't think it was, you know, we had in our Christmas stockings, we got uh, wonderful oranges and nuts and apples and you know what I mean? And it was kind of, that was really, and yeah, so there wasn't a, so, but yes, I think expectations maybe. And I wonder sometimes about our culture, if we're, you know, when you were talking about the difference in culture as our culture has changed, because I'm a lot old, again, kind of talking about being a lot older. So I don't know if there's culture or I mean, generational differences in, in the way we conceive of maybe the commercialization of it's Christmas. It's definitely more commercialized yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Got to get a two hundred dollar pair of shoes, or it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, the- yeah, and then and then it's like, who are you? Aunt? It, Santa doesn't have to answer up for it. <laughs> I mean, you know, he made a drop off, <laughs> and and it's like Santa Santa gave you what he gave you. Yeah, he's got elves, <laughs> magical elves <laughs> that can give you whatever you want. So, um, I think the last where I want to conclude at is. Maybe how do adults subconsciously think, um, especially like when I'm trying to relate this to voting Mm. or how we interact with government, especially here in Oklahoma where we have a low. Do y'all see know the number for the voter turnout for the Thunder vote? Did you know the percentage of people? I didn't either. But I know that Santiago knows it. 14% 14% of voters turned out for the arena vote? Yeah. Wow. And, and that's not even 14% of Oklahomans. That's 14% of, registered of voters. voters. So it's a low, low number of us that actually go and vote. And um, I think it's a low, low number of us that actually pay attention to who is sitting on your school board, who's your school board chair, or um, what judges are sitting in the seats, or um, you know, who's the county commissioner and things like that. We just don't know. Or who's even your legislator. I bet you there's plenty of people here that don't even know Governor Stitt's name. We just don't pay attention to that. And so I'm wondering maybe, is there something um, that you can connect as far as you don't really have to pay attention um, 
Santa is just, it's handled. You know what I'm saying? Christmas is handled. Santa's going to show up. Something's going to get up under the tree. Is There may be a connection of, that, of us taking that to our adulthood and, you know, we just believe that, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen and it doesn't matter if I vote, if I do vote, if I don't vote, you know, may, maybe I know who who's the legislator, maybe I know who's the senator, maybe not, but they got that handled over there and I don't need to worry about it. So I'm I'm interested in opinions on that. <laughs> I, I think it all comes down to our beliefs, right? And and those very intrinsic values. For instance, you know, um my top three values personally, I know very clearly, you know, are freedom, health, and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Cultures are made up of enough people who share similar enough values, even if they've come from different places, even if they believe in different things, but they're all rooted in that value. You got enough people who believe in freedom, even if they speak a different language, they can move in the same direction. And I think a lot of that, um, that reality is what is what takes us or keeps us from the polls, right? If even though we all believe that we should all have um, the freedom to be who we want to be, we all want want to be healthy and happy. Do we see and believe that our individual voices are going to matter in those spaces? I would say no, just based on how we don't show up in those spaces. And it's, I guess, when we look at the idea of Santa, some some of us, you know, we can believe in the magic of it. We can appreciate it. But it's just not a part of a system that we're going to value so much to make the decisions to honor Santa by putting out the cookies, to honor Santa by not having certain conversations, to honor Santa by literally creating that in our house for our little ones. And so, yeah, we, we for me, it just, it feels like it comes down to just beliefs. Yeah. What about you, Stephanie? Yeah, no, that's, we when we had all spoken on Zoom the other day, I had talked about M. Scott Peck's The Road Less Traveled. And that's such a seminal work and a seminal book. And of course, he's a psychologist talking about beliefs. Mm -hmm. And he talks about, at one point, he's talking about how we all learn this concept of, he even talks about God. So, which it would be kind of when I hear you saying this omniscient, when you were talking about Santa Claus even being sort of this entity that's omniscient and omnipotent and all knowing and has he sees you and when you're sleeping, the, the government he sees you, yeah he knows when you're awake and, and in a way the government's sort of that way too like what is the what is sort of the, you know the entity that's kind of taking care of us and making sure that we're okay when we're kiddos and so the familial and he looks at the familial and he said we a lot of times learn that in our childhoods and first from our parents. So it's, and I think I'd talk about like Eric Erickson's trust versus mistrust is our very first Mm -hmm. developmental milestone that we hit in development Mm -hmm. as we're growing up and as we're little babies, if we're cared for and loved, and that takes a network, a system, this big network caring of community Mm -hmm. and with your parents for, you know, are they providing for you? Are, are, Are our communities providing for and caring for our parents? Are we caring for one another sort of in this very big way? And that's what M. Scott Peck looks at. And I believe firmly that concepts that are sort of beyond us in a way, Santa Claus or when we're a little kid, government who's, you know, our road, you know what I mean? A kiddo doesn't know that the roads are being (laughs) paid for by our tax dollars or, you know, that there's, or who's paying for the roads or what, how we have. But yeah, so when you, yes, I think all of that is part of the same. Have we learned to trust that when we're sick, when we feel sick, that we'll have medication for, you know, mm-hmm. have we learned that when it's Christmas morning, there will be magic? Have we, you know, do we have all of those good things that government and 
families and communities, all of the good ways that, and I think that we as adults are called upon to be that for our kiddos. I'd mentioned, we were talking about Robert, but I always bring up Robert Putnam too, and his research that looks at how are we, how are we contributing and giving to our kiddos and our kiddos collectively, like all of our kiddos, because they all, I think all of our kiddos do need developmentally that world of make-believe. They do need to be children first. They do need, they need to, to play. play. They do need, those are all developmental milestones that all kiddos need. So whether we call it, you know, Santa Claus or good, yeah, are we just taking care of one another is to me essentially what M. Scott Peck writes about in that, in his book yeah. and in his work. Are we taking care of one another? I agree. I agree. And while I do love your answer about belief, I think it's just kind of sad. I, I think what, what I'm going to sum it up as is we just, we don't believe in our government enough to show up at the polls. We don't believe in our senators enough. We don't believe in our legislators enough. We don't believe in the house enough. And yeah, I, I don't really know how to fix this problem, but if anyone has any solutions, we need to do better on voting in Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, so if you will tell us um, your contact information as we close out and how to get in contact with you and follow you and things like that. Uh, um, you can find me on my website, which is WPW2020.com. I'm on, um, I might be on TikTok. I don't know. Um, <laughs> occasionally, but um, definitely on Facebook. You can look me up, Damon Anthony William, and on Instagram. Um, might be the same name. I don't know. I peruse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. And y'all know you can find us LWV OK County or www.lwvokc.org. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great Thursday. Bye. Tushalicious Talk is part of the Breaking Ice, Building Bridges community podcast platform brought to you by Possibilities, Inc. As we wrap up, Possibilities would like to give a special thank you to this episode's sponsor, the Henson Family, paving the way for creative expression in our community. Their commitment to our vision allows us to continue to have these conversations. We are grateful for your continued support, the Henson Family.